Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Hope you're having a great day. And I have to send a special congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles winner of the Super Bowl. So, sorry, Patriots fans. I'm not trying to be mean. I just want to congratulate the Philadelphia Eagles, especially since I'm headquartered in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a Pennsylvania team. Um, Okay. Well, first, a special shout out to my good friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, who is carrying the flag for her late husband, Justin Dart. Keep up the great work you're doing. And I have to send a special shout out to all of the people (coughs) in Ireland and Japan listening to this show. Wow, you guys are great. You keep telling everyone else about the show so that we can keep this movement going. And I also want to thank our lead sponsor, Highmark. Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, who is the lead sponsor of this show and AudioEye. So I'm excited about this show today because as you all know, Epilepsy is very personal to me since I'm a woman living with epilepsy and I'm so excited to have an Emmy award winning video journalist with us today and isn't that awesome just hearing that much. Welcome to the show, Stacia Kalinowski. Hi, thank you for having me. I should say first off, I'm from Minnesota, so (laughs) you're in the Philadelphia Eagles win. Uh Yeah. It's a little stab since it was in Minneapolis, but no, it was a really fun game to watch. Well, you had a great <laughs> halftime show. Oh, right? we did. Yes, with yes, Justin the whole game Timberlake was fun to see. and with your uh, legend, Prince. That was really Prince, awesome. Exactly. That they did that. I know, it was fun to watch. Yes, it was. Well, for our listeners around the world, how about if you start by telling everyone about your career in the local news? Sure. So again, I'm from Minnesota, and my first job in TV news, I went out to uh, Nebraska. So I was in Nebraska for a few years, then I went to Oregon, and then to Michigan. So as a news reporter, I shot and edited my own stories, and I usually went live each night, and I love storytelling and the fast pace of reporting. So that was my career. And how did you like that? Oh, I loved it. Again, just fast pace, everything, every day just went by so quickly. So, again, my career did change with epilepsy, which I know we're going to get to. (laughs) Yeah, I always say, though, that background in the news really is a background in investigation and understanding and communication. So, I'm sure that gave you a great background for what ended up you doing with your life and your career. And just as you mentioned, it changed in 2014 after a seizure. So I know this feeling because everyone knows that listens to my show. The reason I'm on a crusade for the employment of people with disabilities, the reason I'm championing iDisability or e-training product is to break down barriers of stigma and surely Epilepsy is one of those disabilities. So uh, what happened to you in 2014? Okay, well, I was working in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time, so four years ago. At the time, my seizures were pretty under control with medications. I had focal aware and focal impaired seizures, uh, which are the new ones uh, for people that don't know, for simple and complex partial. So I rarely fell down and convulsed. I would usually just get deja vu and think lights were flickering in a room, and then often the seizure would and I would lose awareness. So that's what happened uh, that day. I was covering a court case, and I had a small seizure. So someone from the station came to get me. I was told I had another one in the elevator where I was confused. I didn't know where I was. And then back at the TV station, I had one in my boss's office. 
So these were all cases of me being very confused of my surroundings. So my boss told me to leave work that day and go home and rest. I felt fine, though, at that point. Um, I was kind of being, nope, <laughs> I want to do this. I want to stay at work. Kind of stubborn. So I stopped in a colleague's office to talk. And I wasn't in there long before I had a quick aura. I caught a glimpse of the edit bay, and then I went black. And so it turned into a focal impaired seizure, so I lost consciousness and control over all my actions. I have no idea what happened next, but based on my colleague's account, the employer fired me for inappropriate conduct the following day. I guess they weren't familiar with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Well, and that's what I thought. So I did seek out an attorney uh, at first, and he kind of went over my case and decided, no, at this point we do believe he thought at that point that I might not have a case based on something he looked at in a prior Michigan case. So I didn't go, you know, decide to do charities or anything else after that. Um, I just realized I want to get on with my life and, and possibly pursue surgery. So maybe I could have gone on, maybe I could have done something with the ADA, but after that lawyer told me, I don't think you have a chance, I just was like, well, I just... <laughs> I need to move home and kind of focus on my health. Well, you know, I realize you moved on and you moved on to great things. But Mm -hmm. I disagree with that attorney because that was completely a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And sadly, that happens to many people with epilepsy when they have a seizure at work. And that's why Mm -hmm. the National Epilepsy Foundation, we created the Jeannie Carpenter Legal Defense Fund. Jeannie used to be the chair of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation, which many years later, I became the chair of the national board. But Jeannie actually passed away. Um, So we don't know if that was sudden, unexplained death in epilepsy uh, or Mm -hmm. how it happened, but she passed away. It was just so devastating to me. But she was an attorney. She fought for civil rights. So that's why we named it the Jeannie Carpenter Legal Defense Fund for people like you. Because a lot of times people don't know where to go, what to do, and, you know, attorneys uh, don't understand this. And if you're listening to the show, if something ever happens, please contact epilepsy.com and talk to someone there. But just like uh, Stasia, she had no idea what was happening. Now, just just so our listeners understand. Could you explain to them what you mean by uh, partial focal seizure? Yes, I can. So mine started, if it's focal, partial focal mean the same thing. So if they start in one area of the brain, and usually it's the temporal lobe or the frontal lobe, um, they can start out as something where it's you stay conscious, but you might get a feeling of like deja vu, where have I been before, um, a weird taste in your mouth. That's one example or a weird smell. There's just all these strange feelings. And if it stays in one spot, you're still, okay, aware of what's going on. It feels strange. But once it starts to spread, you lose all awareness. You lose consciousness. And at that point, you have no idea what your body's doing, and you have no control over it. And oftentimes, it's strange, scary things that people that are around you just, it's like, what is going on? What is that person doing? And it's scary for them. You know, and I understand that after watching my seizure for the first time that they are scary for people that don't know anything about epilepsy. Yeah, and that's why we try to teach awareness because, you know, I always mm-hmm. tell people after a seizure, it's done. You know, I'm mm-hmm. meaning you could be disoriented, tired. I mean, after that's finished, you're okay. My aura, which as you know, is really a seizure, but my aura is a strange feeling in my stomach. Um, And it's so amazing that once it moves on, that you know. Once you know, you're going to have a seizure, that's it. You know, you can't stop it, of course. And, And I always tell people, you really can't understand epilepsy unless you've had a seizure. Because it really is... um very different to what other people would think or really try to understand. They won't understand. But just as you said, due to lack of awareness, uh, there is fear. But sadly, that leads to unemployment. 
And so if you're listening to the show, remember, I'm living with epilepsy. She's living with epilepsy. Go to epilepsy.com and you can find out more about epilepsy and what it means. So, okay, we do have a question for you from Akron, mm-hmm. from Cindy. Um, my question is, were you ashamed the first time you had a seizure? The first time I had a seizure, you know what? That was in college. I had my first one in college, and then they went away and came back about five years later. So ashamed, yeah, I would say a little bit, but it was more just confusion because I didn't know anything about epilepsy at the point. No one in my family had it, no one, none of my friends. So I was just like, what the heck happened? Uh, so I was able to see a doctor. They did some EEG testing, but went on to find, you know, we don't think there's anything wrong. Because, again, you can have a couple seizures in your lifetime and don't develop epilepsy. So I thought I was one of those lucky people, and then they came back a couple years later and then gradually got worse. Yeah, and I assume you started taking medication. Yeah, once they did start. And once I realized people told me what they look like, I was ashamed. And that's, I think a lot of people, they try to hide their seizures for a while because of the stigma of being ashamed of what they can possibly look like. So, yeah, once I realized what these were, I was ashamed. And that's why I didn't tell people about them. And that is why so many people that do work uh, in corporate America or really anywhere, federal government, small business, no matter where it is, do not disclose that they have epilepsy because of the fear of A, how they'll be treated, and B, the stigma that will be attached, how people will look at them. And to Mm -hmm. me, it all centers around what happens when you have a seizure, But, you know, I always tell people epilepsy means you have too many neurons firing off in your brain. So that Mm -hmm. fits me, too much firepower. So, you know. (laughs) I like that way. Yeah, I'm living with epilepsy. I'm not ashamed I'm living with epilepsy. And if you're listening to this show right now, nor should you be ashamed. But we're going to get ready to go to break. And then we'll be back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Stasha Kalinowski, who is an Emmy Award-winning video journalist, and we are so excited to have her on the show today. As I said earlier, you know I'm living with epilepsy, so anyone talking about it, 
I am so excited. So we can get the awareness and the news out there. So you were talking about what happened at work. After Mm -hmm. that experience, you know, many people have experiences with seizures, of course. But you decided to have brain surgery. Not everyone does that, you know, because of apprehension. What made you do that? What made you decide to do that? Well, honestly, losing my job, because that was about the lowest point of my life. Because uh, the seizures were pretty controlled if I got enough sleep. But at that point, I had failed a couple medications. I had done the video EEG testing in an epilepsy monitoring unit. Um, but I was it was determined my seizures were coming from a specific area of the brain. So the next conversation was, could I, could I be a candidate for brain surgery to remove that area? So I lost my job. Uh, I went back to Minnesota. I had a fantastic doctor um, in Michigan, but at that point I said, you know, I need to go back to my support system in Minnesota. So he referred me to another great doctor. We did more testing, um, lots of testing, MRI, CAT scan, a psychological test. They do everything. Um, but then they said, this was, you know, almost, it was February, uh, almost four years ago, actually, that they said, my doctor said, you are a candidate for brain surgery. And I didn't even think twice. It's like, well, there's probably risks that go along with it. But I just said, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to ever, you know, take the chance of what happening at work or other seizures that I had to disrupt my life again. So I just thought, well, yeah, this is the best option for me. So I went on. I decided to have it. And, and then I did have surgery uh, June of 2015. So what was that like? I mean, what was involved? What was involved? So the first thing, it's actually two surgeries. They have an idea going in where your seizures are located, but they have to make basically 100% sure so they're not moving something around that can damage the rest of you. So they actually do a craniotomy. Uh, They open up the the brain, and right on the surface of the skull, right by my temporal lobe and frontal lobe, they put this little plastic grid on it. If you think a grid, gosh, this has to be huge, but it's very thin, just this little plastic grid, and they connect a bunch of wires to it and then sew or connect your brain, uh, put it back together in a sense. And then for a week, they monitor those seizures. Again, it's like being an epilepsy unit. So they can see, okay, we see seizure activity specifically in this area, but is it going around somewhere else? Because they won't go forth with the surgery if they think it's going on um, too close to where, like, your languages or motor skills, they just say that's too scary um, to go that route. But they did discover that it was in a very localized spot um, that they could safely take it out by my hippocampus, so that's where my short-term memory was stored. But at that time, that was already, <laughs> it was already destroyed anyway. I didn't have any short-term memory left. So it was uh, successful. They went in and took it out, and, you know, you go for a, a few weeks, months with terrible headaches and some problems recovering, but I'm happy and blessed to say that the surgery worked. I always knock on wood. (laughs) I've had some very small seizures since, some auras, but in terms of going black and having these awful screaming fits, which my seizures were, um, those are gone. I'm very cautious about saying that, but they haven't come back. You know, I too had brain surgery, but not for the reason you did. Uh, my oh, epilepsy okay. was, yeah, my epilepsy was misdiagnosed. I had fainting spells that were really seizures, but the doctor told me I was fine, the family doctor. And one night in 1985, I went to see a movie, and at the intermission, I had a seizure, and I hit the floor so hard, I fractured my skull and had an intracranial brain hemorrhage and subsequently had life-saving brain surgery, and I, too, had a craniotomy. But in this case, you know, it was to save my life. Um, So thank God that they did this. And, you know, when people hear about this brain surgery today, they're afraid. Many people with epilepsy are afraid. But just like you, I have to tell you, I know so many people that have had some type of brain surgery, people living with epilepsy, with remarkable success. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're listening, don't be afraid. You should ask about it. Today, it is not as involved as it was years ago. It, of course, it depends on the type of seizure or the involvement that you have. But if I were you, 
and I was having uh, ongoing seizures, I would absolutely talk to my epileptologist. I want to say something about that also. Mm-hmm. Make sure, absolutely, it's at least a neurologist you're going to. Uh, I can't believe when I meet people and they have epilepsy and they're getting treated by their family doctor. You must go to a neurologist, but ideal would be an epileptologist. I met Stasha through a close friend of mine, Dr. Brian Smith, who mm-hmm. is an epileptologist and is one of the greatest doctors ever, period. And you know, as I have talked to him about this, it makes such a difference, the doctor that you go to. So I just want to tell everyone, remember, minimum neurologist, preferably epileptologist. So and as I you repeat the same the same thing, because a lot of people starting out with a brain problems, they don't even know they exist. So I saw a neurologist right away, but my mom saw a flyer in the hospital talking about, you know, there's epilepsy specialists. So that's how we found out. And then I was able to seek one out and I just was blessed when I moved to Michigan to find Dr. Brian Smith. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is great. I met someone. But from the same perspective, he and both my other doctor in Minnesota repeat the exact same thing you did, that you have to find out that there's epilepsy specialists. Yeah, and uh, he, he is absolutely phenomenal. But I tell everyone that, and, and, you know, I mean, that is key. That's paramount because, as I said, I've met people that did not go that route, and they were having zero success and as you stated you were having ongoing seizures Uh, so Mm -hmm. in my opinion this was a very smart move you made to have that uh, brain brain surgery and some seizures create behavior that people feel is unacceptable in the workplace as you mentioned Um, and Mm -hmm. I just want to say this is the reason also outside of the workplace that people have been tased by police officers, people have yeah. been arrested for disorderly conduct. Um, I mean, so many things have happened that once again, if you're with someone and they, they're acting unusual, make sure you know what's going on. Um, I mean, there have been people with epilepsy seriously injured by other people because everyone thinks the number one seizure they think of is the grand mal seizure, falling to the ground, having a convulsion. But actually, more people have obsessed seizures and complex partial seizures than grand mal seizures. And they're, it, they're all different. It, it's all different. Um, and I think that's probably what you experienced, Asha. Exactly. And for me and for the... The friends, coworkers that experienced them at first, too, they just said, gosh, she's kind of <laughs> flighty. Like, why is she just kind of staring off into space? Or why is she just, you know, standing there for a while and then come back? So we didn't know. My coworkers didn't know either. So there is that lack of awareness, I think, across America and other parts of the world. Um, those simple things that people just don't realize are seizures. Right. Um, I have a question for you from Richard in Maine. And the question mm-hmm. is, Stasha, when you told people that you had epilepsy, did your friends treat you the same? Yeah, but again, I only told close friends. So close friends, and some of them did find out through work or seeing a seizure for the first time. So colleagues, I kept my mouth shut. So a lot of them didn't even find out until um, I had the seizure at work. But yes, close friends knew about it and they were, they were fantastic because they knew who I was. So <laughs> that didn't change anything. No, and you know, for young people listening to the show that are bullied when they have a seizure, remember what I said, you have more firepower than they do <laughs> and you should never, ever be ashamed. So, Stasha, We want to talk about this great thing you did, which is producing a documentary. Wow, look what happened to (laughs) you you. from that incident to this. That is, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, here we go. Young people listening to the show, you heard what happened. Look what she did. She went from that 
to producing a documentary. I mean, that is really awesome. I have to tell you, I was so impressed with that. So let's talk about Brainstorm. What is Mm -hmm. Brainstorm, Sasha? Well, Brainstorm is the name of the documentary. uh, To me, it describes seizures perfectly. There's an electrical imbalance in their brain. Oftentimes, it spreads, creates a larger storm. So it's Brainstorm. And I just realized with the background I had with journalism, um, I thought, you know, I probably can't go back into my TV career. So it was in my doctor's office. Dr. Brian Smith referred me to a, a doctor in Minnesota. And when she did the testing and said, you know what, you're a candidate for brain surgery, which again was gosh, four years ago, um, I just said, well, sure, absolutely. Yeah, three or four years ago. Um, and from there in her, in her office, I just said, you know what, I should do a, a documentary. It came right to me. So I left her office. I called my journalism instructor from the University of Minnesota. And he said, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, all right, I can do this. So I called up uh, the Epilepsy Foundation. They connected me with Jerry Kill, who some people might realize uh, he was the former, at the time, the Minnesota Gophers football coach who's been very uh, vocal about his seizures. So I connected with him, was able to share his story uh, along with a a family in Atlanta who has a young boy uh, with epilepsy. And then I called up Dr. Smith again, and then my doctor in Minnesota, Dr. Patricia Penovich at Epilepsy, Minnesota Epilepsy Group. So they are the, the people in the documentary, as, long as, as well as a close friend of mine, and then my parents. So that's kind of the start of what happened. Uh, I was able to shoot a lot of it before my surgery, and then afterwards I had to take, I think, a couple months off because I <laughs> couldn't even look at a computer screen because it just made me dizzy. But after that, I just kept... Um, kept working on it, um, and it it came to work out. Uh, the show premiered first on Twin Cities PBS in Minnesota. That was um, November of 2016, and then it was spread. A lot of PBS stations across the country picked it up a couple months ago, November 2017, for Epilepsy Awareness Month. And from there, it's just kind of given me a platform as more people have found out about it. I've had speaking opportunities. There's some great opportunities coming up that have kind of happened in the last few weeks. So people, especially doctors, are the ones that are saying we need to better educate our nurses, EMT, medical professionals. That's really the audience that has said we need more education in the medical workplace, nurses and schools. Because going into this, I just thought I need the general public to know about epilepsy. I don't want more people to be fired. So I was thinking in my mind, employers, schools, but again, I didn't realize Um, the medical community itself needed more awareness. So when I've been speaking, I've been speaking from the patient's perspective on my situation and what I think others in the medical profession can learn from. So brainstorm, that's basically Mm -hmm. part your story and part about epilepsy? Yeah, I wanted to include my story, but kind of show different faces of it. So Jerry killed, you know, he's a, an older person, not too old, but he was a football coach and then the younger boy in Atlanta. So I said, you know, it shows that every person, every age, there's football coaches, there's CEOs, business people. I mean, it can affect anybody. So I wanted to show those three faces, but also putting the educational standpoint, what are seizures? What do they look like? And so my doctors were able to explain those as well as my um, seizures. So a couple of families were great, and they shared some of their kids, um, adults as well, seizures. So I was able to show this is what an absent seizure looks like. This is what focal aware, focal impaired, the grand mal, you know, a tonic-clonic, and to say these are what they look like, and I showed mine as well, which were hard to look at for the first time, but I know I needed to put them in if I was going to share my story. So in this documentary, you actually see seizures then? Oh, you do? Because I just felt if I'm going to educate people, they need to see what they look like. Oh, I think that is so awesome. I think that is great what you're doing. Okay, I was going to ask for myself for seizure, what do these videos look like? Um, I didn't find anything. You know, on epilepsy websites, I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know if I don't see seizures anywhere? So the film, I just said, well, I mean, for me as a, Video journalists, people learn best through visual. I mean, that's my opinion. So, <laughs> Oh, I agree with you. Okay, I'm so excited about this. Before I move further, how do people get to see this uh, documentary? 
you know, how do they purchase it and how do they reach out to you as a speaker? Sure. Well, I have all the information right now. Um, it's only available through DVDs. I'm working on some opportunities that could come up where I could stream it, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So DVDs are the way to go right now. And I do sell them on my website. Um, there's a couple different kinds. Since they're educational, I have them available for um, libraries and schools and then nonprofits and then universities can purchase them. So there's different price tiers, which is how it goes in the <laughs> education field. So you'll see different prices, but that's, that's consistent. And then people, individuals that just want to buy them, you know, watch as a family, they can uh, email me directly for those. So the website for this is brainstormdocumentary.com. I wanted to keep it simple. It's like it's a documentary. It's named Brainstorm, brainstormdocumentary.com. So my um, information is there to reach out to me. So speakers, if any opportunities like that, you can just reach out directly towards me. Okay, brainstormdocumentary.com is how to purchase it. But if they want to reach out to you, they can find you at the same, same way. Yep, I just have a contact me button. They can just email me. Okay, another question. Um, this is from Terry in Kansas, and the question is, uh, Stasha, do you think there are more incidents in the workplace, in school, or do you think it's the same? In terms of me, well, in terms I of stigma, I know since I do know about epilepsy more, and the way I found it out is about learning, meeting other people in the epilepsy community, and then I've gotten emails from a lot of people after the the film aired. So after hearing from these people, I think there are a lot more cases in the workplace that are probably just like me and they just don't share it. Because the thing that I found interesting is that people that have reached out after seeing the film, they've all said, especially adults have said the same thing. They said, I have it in the workplace, but I don't tell anybody besides my family and friends because of the stigma. Everybody's said that and one woman emailed in the middle of the night she had seen it on pbs and she just said i'm up watching this right now at 3 a.m because i'm scared i'm going to lose my job tomorrow because of epilepsy so she was up stressed out and to me it was just like wow this is you know not just me it is a problem across the nation the, the problem with stigma oh absolutely because when i go speak at a company uh, because they'll bring me in, Joyce, uh, you know, we know that your company focuses on the employment of people with disabilities, and we're so glad to have you here. We need educated because we haven't really hired people with disabilities. And I mm-hmm. say, oh, yes, you have. Yeah, they're right here at your company right now. They have epilepsy, bipolar disorder, depression, MS. You know, I could go on and on. It's just they aren't telling you. And the reason reason is they don't want to be treated differently or, as you said, lose their job, lose an opportunity, whatever it would be. I know. And I think for people that haven't really witnessed seizures before, just like you said, they just haven't seen one. But when I try to tell people how common it is, I just say, well, one in 26 people have epilepsy. So think of that's one kid in a classroom. You know, that's one person in a small business. That's one kid on a sports team. So when you put that into perspective, it's like, yeah, you probably do know some people with epilepsy, but they, they're not telling you because of the stigma. And you know what? It causes so many problems. There are people in retirement homes that have an obsant seizure where they're staring off for a few seconds or a few minutes and people will say they have dementia. See how they were acting? Because they don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. Or as I said before, there are people that are walking around and look like they're in a drunken stupor and that's what people think and this is when people call police and all these things happen and they're having a complex partial seizure. So I am thrilled with what you're doing because the key to all of this is awareness and awareness comes through education. You know, we've been here talking about stigma. I want to ask you, uh, Stasha, do you think that the main reason for stigma, do you think 
is because people are afraid to see a seizure, uh, that people think if you have a seizure, you aren't as smart, or you have a psychiatric dis- disability, or it's contagious, or whatever it is. What, what do you think is the reason? <clears throat> I think starting off, it is lack of education, because I was someone that didn't know anything about epilepsy as well until I started having it. So sometimes when I speak, or in general people ask me about it, um, I say, or even to doctors, you know, when I speak, it's like, okay, when was the first time you saw a seizure? And think about it. Was it scary for you? So you kind of have to stop and say, well, I mean, that's the thing. Seizures are scary. I mean, I think anybody can say that um, because a person falls down and convulses or they, in my case, would have these awful screaming fits. So someone did, and that was eye-opening. Someone in a gym came up to me because I would often have seizures when I was exercising, like biking. And, he came, and I talked about this in the documentary, but he came up to me after he saw me having a seizure, and he just said flat out, he asked me if I was religious, because some people still believe, I think, that seizures are kind of back in the day, they thought it was related to demons. Um, but then he said, well, you have a multiple personality disorder. You know, he didn't ask me, are you okay? Was that a, He just flat out said that. And I was just so shocked. that I, was, I just walked away like, are you oh, me? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. People, I mean, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's the... Oh, that's the yeah, that is a... That is definitely unusual. Yes, that... It, what amazes me is that these people feel they're doctors. They know. Just ask them. They know. And, and see, mm-hmm. that's where, as you said, this education comes in, uh, awareness. You know, again, I hope that every... Epilepsy affiliate listening, contact Stasha about this documentary or purchases this documentary because this is what we need. You can't talk about it. You have to see it. Now, people that work with me, you know, I'm very fortunate that over the past several years, I have not... Uh, had a seizure, but recently when I had a medication change, I did. So I'm very fortunate that people that work with me have seen me have a seizure. As a matter of fact, they're really okay with someone having a seizure. So okay that we had an intern work here and he had a grandma seizure in the foyer in front of my executive assistant's desk. Oh, wow. Yeah, and guess what? Someone went and got someone, hey, come on out here. He's having a seizure, and they knew what to do, and it was like no big deal. It was not that my office, oh, my God, someone's having a seizure. And when he came to, they knew what to do, and okay, you're okay. And when his father came here, he said, oh, my God, this is like the best company to be at if you have a seizure. But, you know, once you know, you know. This is what I tell people. You made that point earlier. One in 26. Right on. One in 26 people will have epilepsy in their lifetime. Sadly, this stigma is very embedded uh, around the world in different cultures because embassies in South Korea, Indonesia, and Panama contacted the U.S. State Department to send an expert on the employment of people with disabilities. Um, And I went, but everywhere I went, I said, and I want to talk to people with epilepsy. And first in South Korea, I get to this meeting with these epileptologists. The first thing they say to me is, don't say that word epilepsy. Oh, we don't say that anymore. We say cerebroelectric disorder. I said, what? That even sounds scarier. Why would you say that? Because the word had so much stigma and fear that did go back uh, to either demon possession or more often that you were cursed. The family was cursed. Um, And I thought, wow, there it is. There it starts. And now, you know, we're much better here today. But, of course, the stigma is still right here in the United States. Um, And I believe something like what you're going can't stop that, Stasha. So once more, what is your website? Brainstormdocumentary.com. 
brainstormdocumentary.com. Go to brainstormdocumentary.com if you want to purchase this, which I hope you do, uh, Brainstorm, this great documentary. And also, if you want to find Stasha, wow, what how great it would be to have her at a conference. I mean, how great for her to speak to police departments, uh, EMTs. I never thought and, of police departments. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. we Here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we go uh, and meet with the police departments because um, they don't understand. They're the scene usually. Yeah, interesting. But, yeah, they don't understand. So, anyway... We're going to get ready to go to break, and then we'll be back with this dynamic, wonderful Stasha Kalinowski. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up but I've dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey everyone, we are talking to this great lady, Stasha Kalinowski, who is the producer of this documentary that is a must-see called Brainstorm, which is about epilepsy educating people about epilepsy i would encourage everyone to go to brainstormdocumentary.com and move forward with a purchase and i wanted to ask you stasha as i'm hearing all these things about you um and you know a lot of people have bad things happen i'm writing a book it's called (laughs) the intermission And the intermission, because that happened to me at the intermission, is when something bad happens to you, then what? And look what your then what was. You know, you created this documentary. I mean, that is so fabulous. So you also have that soul in you. So my question is, who is your role model? You know what? Honestly, I've never thought about that. No one's ever asked me. Um, I mean, my life growing up revolved around sports. And I ran track and uh, cross country in college, so I've always found inspiration from teammates and other athletes. Uh, but when epilepsy took over and this documentary came forth, um, I guess I could say I started looking up to others who faced even tougher battles with epilepsy in my life, like I met someone with a traumatic brain injury. Um, and I, I have a large support system in my family, friends, um, mentors in journalism. So I had a lot going for me. So... Like I said, the idea to do this documentary, I just was 
I thought to myself, well, okay, I have a background in journalism. You know, I'm going to need a lot of help uh, moving forward with it. And again, I had great mentors. But other people I've met, I know they fall into depression um, when they can't keep their careers or parents who lose their kids to suit up. So I do feel there's people that get into tougher situations than I have. But I will say I have more respect than ever before for doctors and surgeons, um, especially ones that do specialize in epilepsy, because they save lives. You know, I thank my surgeons recently, I thank my doctors, because it's like, you guys do save lives. I would be, I don't know where, without my temporal lobectomy. So I guess for role models, I see other people with epilepsy. I see doctors. They just all, I think, are great people. Well, they are the ones that make the difference. That is mm-hmm. absolutely, positively, like, like Brian Smith. That is so true. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, and you know what? I, I also was thinking, and this is a question I ask everyone, everyone on the show. Um, look what you've done. You've accomplished so much at your young age. So this may age. be hard <laughs> to answer, but... Um, at this point in your life, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, I guess at this point, Brainstorm probably is because I've helped educate some of the general public. And I think anything that can reduce the stigma, I think, is an accomplishment. You know, there's other people out there trying to do the same thing. But I think, you know, if I've helped one person understand seizures, they can stick up for the next person in the gym who would, somebody called this up to them and said, you have a mental illness. And I don't want to get into that because that has mental illnesses have their own stigma. But just to be able to separate that and understand, I think one person can help the next person understand. And then part of that is the film has given me a platform to share my story from a patient's perspective at events for doctors, pharma, um, others in the epilepsy community. So I never considered showing the patient's view for helping the medical under the medical community understand um, seizures as well. So. They've all, again, one thing leads to another, leads to another, and that's what's helping educate people. Well, that that is so, absolutely so true. And you are, you are making a difference. What a great accomplishment with what you've done so far. Hey, one last question from Mm -hmm. Mary in Wisconsin. And the question is, Stasha, what advice do you have for a parent living with a child that has ongoing seizures? Wow. You know what? I met parents for the first time that had a child when I met, went to Atlanta and met um, a little boy with epilepsy. And again, he's in the film. But that brought a whole new perspective as caregivers for, for young kids. I mean, that changes their life. Um, so what I learned from kind of what they go through is really have to seek out an epileptologist. Um, they were connected through, interesting enough, they found a great doctor through uh, Jerry Kill, which this all kind of ties together in the movie, so I won't go into it. But it's really seeking out a specialist. I've met some other parents when I've shown the film at different epilepsy chapters throughout Minnesota. And for them, it's like, you know, we're going to a neurologist. You know, one person doesn't specialize, but they have to make that trip. And sometimes it's hours away to see an epilepsy monitoring unit. Um, but from there, I think it's finding help. And then I've also found meeting other people that these events from the Epilepsy Foundation, you know, they work hard for families to put on um, walks, even events. Um, in Minnesota, they have Camp Oz to bring all these kids together. So I think that's helping parents as well because parents meet other parents with kids with epilepsy so they can share their stories and relate. Um, but I didn't have epilepsy when I was little, so I've never had my parents haven't had to go through that. So I just look up to parents so much that have to try to travel and work through this with their children. Oh, yeah. And I want to tell you, here in Pittsburgh at the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, we do this great thing. It's called respite care. So staying with that child, helping. So the mother and father maybe have not been out on a date, not been anywhere. Oh, that's um, fabulous. Yeah, and um, I I, I want to see that happen, you know, across America, different affiliates, because there are people 24 by 7 
taking care of a child with uh, very significant epilepsy. And I think that is mm-hmm. the greatest thing um, that we do. But you're right. I, you are exactly right. Uh, so I wanted to ask you in closing, Stasha, and by the way, Stasha, thank you so much for being with us today. It, it is just so awesome what you have done. I appreciate you taking time to be with us. Uh, but oh, what Thank message- you for having me. My pleasure. What message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I think, again, based on other people I've met with epilepsy, any disability, it's just try to keep hope. You know, um, I've met some with epilepsy and some have lost hope. It's very hard for them because they're determined to stay in a career that they physically cannot do anymore because of epilepsy. But so it's tough. Some are battling for jobs they are capable of doing but face discrimination, but others are trying to hold, hold on a job they just cannot do. Um, in Minnesota, I sat on the board for the Epilepsy Advocacy and Employment Group, and they recently merged with um, the Foundation of Minnesota. But the goal is to help people find jobs, and when they do, they can be, they can be happy with. So I would encourage adults, teenagers, adults, is to try to keep hope and then seek out resources because a lot of people in the community really who want to help you, which is finding those people. Yeah, what a great message. Well, hey, we end every show with a quote, and today it just has to be this quote, and it is from Tony Quello, the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and he said, epilepsy is just part of who I am, said <laughs> Tony. This is Joyce Bender. America's Voice, where disability matters, at voiceamerica.com. We look forward to seeing you and talking to you next week with Barbara Merrill, the CEO of Anchor. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.